Westmoreland Reads, a short-form podcast all about good stories, books, and reading. In each episode, you'll hear a short story, a book recommendation, and what I'm currently reading, all with no spoilers. I'm Heidi, your host, and this is episode 5 of season 3. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Westmoreland Reads. I'm excited today to talk with you all about a subject that has been front and center in my life lately, and that is back to school and homeschool, but I'm going to focus in with a little bit of a story feel to it um, and talk with you all about books and my kids and my experience as quote-unquote teacher mom when it comes to reading. I have four kids, and three of them, actually two of them are reading, and one of them is on her way. (laughs) She is desperate to learn how to read, but is not super interested in learning how to read um, according to how I teach her how to read, so we've butted heads a little bit, but she's getting there. Um, She's mastering letter sounds and working hard like a champ. The issue I wanted to talk with you all about today is um, what to do or what I've done when books haven't landed with my kids that I recommended to them. So I was so excited to have kids who love reading. Both my boys love to read. Um, but I was very surprised a couple years ago when all of a sudden I handed my oldest a book and he was like, mm, no, I'm not interested. And since then, just about every book almost that I've handed to him, he has said, mm, no thanks. Um, it's just there's something about mom handing him a book that says this must be a boring book. And so what I've had to do is I've had to get strategic. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've even talked with some other moms about how do I do this? Because I know there are books that he will love. He's a big fan of fantasy. And so it took some convincing. But once he started the Wingfeather saga, he couldn't put it down and he's read it three times. And so I was kind of crowdsourcing and brainstorming and thinking, how do I get this kid to like trust that I know that he will enjoy reading these books that I have picked out for him? It hasn't been a perfect system. I haven't landed on anything exact, but I have figured out that um, it does work for him to quote unquote be required to read a certain amount every day of a book that I've chosen. And I present that to him as this is your literature reading for school. I require between 10 pages to a chapter, depending on how long the chapters are, and he reads it. And we don't really talk a whole lot about it, but I can tell when he's reading one that he likes um, because he will read more than the required amount. He finished Peter Pan, like he finished it a week faster than I expected him to. Um, And so that was really cool. But another thing was that I needed to just let him pick his own books for a little while there. Um, I had to just kind of back off and keep my mouth shut and just set him loose in the library. And what he ended up doing was, of course, he found Dogman, which is not my favorite thing, but um, it did get him like looking for books on his own, which was great. And it got him moving through a series quickly, which was great. He knows that I love to read, and he identifies himself as a bookworm. And so even though I can't quite recommend books to him yet, we do connect over reading. Um, And it is like a point of pride for him that he's a bookworm like his mom. So we're still working on the balance of you have to read this and you can skip this if you're not enjoying it. I also try to practice letting my kids stop books if they're not interested in them. So one of our read-alouds this year, um, The Borrowers, my kids were not into it and we were almost halfway through and I was like, do you guys just want to stop reading this? And they were like, yeah, we kind of (laughs) do. We don't really like it. And so I said, okay, that's fine. We'll stop it. Um, and that's totally fine. They need to know that they don't have to finish everything. It's part of the joy of reading is reading what you like and what's interesting to you in that moment. 
And I don't want to teach them that they have to finish just for the sake of finishing. You know, that's what I practice myself, so why would I require anything different of them? Um, so that's my little bit of a subject there um, for back to school and kids and reading. You know, let your kids pick their own books. Um, as long as you kind of proof them ahead and you're okay with them, let them go to town in the library and have fun. And then also the books that you really want them to read, hand it to them and maybe say, you get to read for 10 minutes in this book that I think is important. And then the rest of the time, it's your choice give it a try. See how it goes. (laughs) It's working okay for us. Um, And hopefully you all can connect with your kids over books too. Um, And if you do have more reluctant readers, kids who really don't like to read, um, I am a fan of graphic novels because they do help beginning readers get into reading with the pictures, especially kids today who spend so much time being entertained by pictures and color on screens. Um, I think it's a good bridge between reading like picture books and reading chapter books with no pictures. So that's my little tip. I'm not an expert by any means. My oldest is only in fifth grade, Um, but that is kind of what's working for us so far and how I've kind of solved the problem of mom picks boring books. It's like a multi-layered solution there, but, um, but it works for now. Um, For today, for book recommendations, I'm going to cheat a little bit and actually recommend two books. The first book is a nonfiction book for adults. Actually, they're both nonfiction. So the first book is called How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare by Ken Ludwig. Um, This book I read a few years ago when I was um, researching methods of education, you know, classical versus more traditional, more Charlotte Mason, like all the different methods of homeschool. And memory work was going to be really important because I was not good at memory work as a kid and my husband was. And so we wanted our kids to have a foundation of just memorizing to just sharpen their memories um, and keep them sharp as they get older and they find that they have a lot they need to remember. How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare is literally how to help your kids memorize long passages of Shakespeare. And it sounds boring, except for the method that the author uses is so fascinating. He literally sat with his kids and memorized Shakespeare with them and then performed it. And he had a very busy professional life. And so it was one of the only times of day he got to sit with his kids and spend time with them. And they connected over memorizing Shakespeare. His method that he uses is actually the method that me and my husband learned in college at a, at the classical college that we went to for memorizing long poems or long passages of scripture or poetry. And so seeing the same method in a book was um, really encouraging that it might be something that worked. And so I started it out with my kids from the very first day of preschool memorizing poems. And after a few days of doing that, they had the poem memorized. And it was so great. Ludwig goes into more detail about memorization and what it's good for and how it can help you long term. And even if you don't use it for memorizing Shakespeare, it's a useful method to help your kids memorize anything. Probably every kid at some point in their school career is going to have to memorize something. And so I highly recommend this book for how to teach your kids how to memorize things. And hopefully you, if you haven't learned how to memorize things well, can learn as well. It's super practical and super useful even as adults. So that was How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare by Ken Ludwig. My second recommendation is a children's nonfiction book called Birth of an Island by Millicent E. Selsom. 
This book is a short and sweet nonfiction story of an island, and it is a story. It takes the simple scientific facts of an island's formation and presents it in a narrative style that makes it into a story about a living character. The formation of the island begins with an underwater explosion and lava formation, the growth of vegetation, the attraction of insects and animals. It sounds scientific and mundane, except again, it's told from the perspective of the island and is beautifully narrated. It also asks the reader questions and calls him or her to notice details and emphasizes the importance of paying attention to every single small living creature in the landscape and the health of the island. The artwork on every page is sweeping and beautiful, and it adds to the story. I found it fascinating, and my fifth grader really enjoyed it. He read it in one sitting. I think as a read-aloud, it's very short and simple, and it's a great way to start a school year or a new month with something interesting that calls attention to detail and wakes up the reader's brain. So that is Birth of an Island by Millicent E. Selsom. And the nonfiction book that I am currently reading is called The Hidden Lives of Trees by Peter Volaben. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have a question or comment about today's episode? If so, email me at westmorelandpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to at Westmoreland Reads on Instagram. You can find links to the books and stories mentioned in show notes and on westmorelandpodcast.com. To help the podcast find the exact right audience, leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen, or give a shout out on social media. I truly love sharing stories and books with you all, and I'm excited to talk to you again soon. Ezra Pound once said, Man reading should be man intensely alive. The book should be a ball of light in one's hand. <laughs>